Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Remember the day, remember Tuesday, July 25, the day Republicans took health care away from 23 million Americans. Hello, everybody. Yep, they promised to do it. They did it yesterday, and they will live to regret it. Great to see you today. It is the Bill Press Show. Here we are on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, with all the news of the day. And there is a lot on many, many, many different fronts. Yes, the big news, of course, is the up and the down on health care yesterday. They voted to proceed, and then uh, Republicans couldn't get, a, get enough votes to repeal and replace. The debate continues uh, today. Uh, meanwhile, Paul Manafort testifying yesterday, Trump's former campaign chairman, in front, in behind closed doors, in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee, and Jared Kushner answering questions yesterday, this time in front of the House Intelligence Committee. Also, Donald Trump taking yet one more swipe at Attorney General Jeff Sessions, his Attorney General, the man he appointed as Attorney General, that he now ridicules and humiliates and demeans day after day after day. How long will Sessions remain? And the House of Representatives actually voting yesterday in a big bipartisan vote to put tougher sanctions on Russia, which Donald Trump doesn't like. we got lots to talk about. We want to hear from you. What does it all mean to you? Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We'll jump right into it with both feet and with all of you. But first... This is the full Jamie Benson. Press. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Wednesday morning. A bombshell new study uh, released, or I should say published, in the Journal of American Medical Association on Tuesday on the link between playing football and CTE, the, uh, the brain disease no there. No doubt about it. New study revealed that 99%, that is not a typo, 99% of the brain's former NFL players donated for research showed signs of CTE. It is the largest study to date and obviously the most concerning. 
Bill, what did you think when you, you first saw this report? The Times did a big piece on it. Uh, well, they I'm not sure how conclusive it is. They looked at 111 brains Correct. Uh, of former players, and uh, they found trace of CT in 110 out of 111. Right, and there's... So I don't want to jump to any conclusions here. Uh, yeah, right, you know what the conclusion is. And then the NFL's response is, oh, we're putting up a lot of money for research. Yeah, while people continue to play this damn sport... And more of them will get CTE. Not helping. There's actually also players from high school and college included. A total of 202 brains were studied. Uh, 177 uh, were found with CTE. Of course, you said at 110 of 111 for just NFL players. By the way, Jan Schakowsky, our friend Jan Schakowsky, Congresswoman from Illinois, has been very out front on CTE. Yesterday she said... Quote, the time for denying facts and looking the other way is over. Moving on to some television-related news, we go to the late-night wars between Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon recently finally caught back up to Colbert. You you may know that since the uh, Trump rubbing hair right. incident yeah. that Jimmy yeah. Fallon did, Jimmy's <laughs> ratings have sort of plummeted. Uh, Stephen Colbert is back on top after a brief catch-up by Fallon. Last week, uh, Colbert actually went to Russia uh, on his show. He, he spent a week I, I, right, I in Russia and drew nearly 2.9 million <laughs> viewers last week. It's a 14% increase in the show's popularity from the week before. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't watch this. I, I, I think I need to go back. Apparently, during one of the episodes, uh, he rented a hotel room at the hotel in Moscow, where apparently the P-tape uh, took place. Oh, no, really? So, oh, oh. Uh, I got to go back and watch that. Congrats to Stephen Colbert. He's the right one. He's the one who should be winning, going after Trump. (laughs) I want to see that tape. On your radio, on TV, and online. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, hello, hello, everybody. What do you say? Wednesday, middle of the week, and boy, there's been so much news this week, it seems like, uh, I don't know. Uh, We've had uh, six months of news all in three days. It is the Bill Press Show. Welcome, welcome. Great to see you. Uh, We have lots to talk about today as we boom out to you from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio Right in the heart of the action, right here on Capitol Hill, couldn't be any closer to what's going on here in Washington, either at the White House or the uh, Capitol. We are right in the middle of it every day uh, and bringing you the news of the day and uh, asking you to tell us what you think about it all. We're coming to you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Joining you out in the Chicago area, hello, Chicago on WCPT and... uh, on Free Speech TV, coast to coast on the radio, coast to coast on television. Our podcast, don't forget, every day, uh, more and more of you tune in the podcast because you can't catch the whole show in the morning. We understand you're in and out of the car, you're in and out of the office, uh, you have for a jog, you miss part of the show, whatever. Go to the podcast, uh, BillPressShow.com, and you can catch up with us all day and long. By the way, if yes. you're on uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you can <laughs> leave ratings or reviews, please do. Uh, it helps us reach a larger audience. The more ratings and reviews, the more likely we're uh, to show up there at the top. All right. So don't just go, but... Uh, let us know how much you love the show. Let us know. And let the world know how much you love the show. Exactly. There there, there you go. 
And, yes, with so much to talk about today, uh, the big stories, of course, uh, the health care vote yesterday, uh, one up and one down. Uh, Donald Trump, after a big campaign rally last night in Ohio, uh, celebrating that uh, first vote in the Senate before he left, and also taking advantage of an opportunity uh, in the Rose Garden uh, yesterday with the Prime Minister of Lebanon to smear uh Jeff Sessions, his attorney general, uh, yet one more time, regret that he ever appointed him uh, and suggesting that J- uh, Sessions was not doing his job. Uh, more testimony yesterday on the Russian connection uh, on Capitol Hill with Paul Manafort, in a former campaign chairman, uh, in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee and uh, Jared Kushner, son-in-law, in front of the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, all of that we will cover. Also, a big vote in the House on uh, sanctions against Russia, North Korea, and Iran. Let's start with the uh, health care vote. And again, your comments on Twitter, always welcome, uh, at BP Show. It was a disgrace yesterday. It was an outrage. Uh, but uh, Mitch McConnell uh, finally got what he wanted. He got, uh, he got uh, the enough votes cobbled together with the help of Mike Pence, 50 votes to proceed with the debate. But make no bones about it, this was a vote to repeal Obamacare because once the door is open, uh, they're going to come up with something uh, that they can say fulfills their promise of repealing Obamacare. Mitch McConnell tried to make it yesterday sound very, very innocent. Come on, all we're doing is asking you to debate the issue. All we have to do today is to have the courage to begin the debate with an open amendment process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, open amendment process. We'll see. And, and by the way, let me just stop right there. Um, you know, people are complaining about the fact, there were a couple of Republicans yesterday who said, you know, with Obamacare, in fact, John McCain actually said this. In his little talk, which we'll get to, the Democrats just forced Obamacare through, never let us Republicans have anything to do or anything to say about it, which is just absolute lie. One of the many lies John McCain told yesterday. Uh, the fact is that it took an, there was a year and a half of debate before Obamacare was passed. And there were hearings after hearing after hearing, public testimony, debates. And Republicans offered, thanks to the New York Times, put this together, 182 amendments to Obamacare. Democrats have had a chance to offer zero amendments to this Republican plan in the Senate because there have been not one single hearing on it. So what Mr. McConnell said yesterday is this was a trap to, to vote for this motion to proceed and shame on any Republican senators, including John McCain, who did so. Chuck Schumer called it out yesterday and said, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by this ruse. A vote in favor of the motion to proceed will mean deep cuts to Medicaid, maybe even deeper than in the House bill. Yep. Anybody who voted to proceed with debate yesterday is responsible for killing Obamacare no matter what they say, and, and that includes everybody, every Republican, except Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. Dean Heller and Mike Lee and all those other phonies, right, who said, 
Uh, Shelley Moore Capito, we're not sure we're going to vote for this or not. They all went along, except for Lisa Murkowski uh, and Susan Collins. Uh, there were protesters in the Senate gallery yesterday. They called it out. Uh, they all got dragged out. Some of them arrested. They called it out. Kill the bill. Yeah, good for them. The protests would be great. I'm sure our friend Ben Wickler there from MoveOn.org was leading. Oh, yeah. He was leading the chance. By the way, Capitol sure. Police was telling reporters yes. to delete videos and delete photos. Delete any yesterday. videos and any photos, which is. It's not legal. You can't you do can't, that. Cannot do that. Checked on that last Capitol night. Capitol Police are really thugs. Uh, not all of them. I'm just sure <laughs> Be careful on that one. <laughs> Be careful. But some of them are. They really. And by the way, I have friends in law enforcement who have told me the Capitol mm. Police are the worst. They really overstepped their lines. Remember, just a couple of weeks ago, they tried to ban reporters from gathering in the hallways to talk to senators. Right. And, and even like, the senators came out and said, oh, no, 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 come on. Yeah, lasted this like is, 10 hours. This yeah. Is, yeah, right. This is not the Soviet Union. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. And then, of course, it came down to um, Mitch McConnell. Could only get 50 votes. Couldn't get 51. Uh, it's a tie. Mike Pence does the nasty deed. On this vote, the yeas are 50 and the nays are 50. The Senate being equally divided, the vice president votes in the affirmative and the motion is agreed to. Yeah. So let's make no bones about it, right? This is, again, this is a vote to the vote to open debate was a vote to eventually repeal in some way, some somehow, some shape. But just, just think about what that meant. As these Republican senators voted to open debate, not on on health care, not even knowing what they were going to be voting on. They didn't even have a bill that they could all agree on. There was repeal and replace. There was repeal only. There was repeal and replace number two. There was what they call skinny repeal. They have no freaking idea what's going to come out of the process, but they voted to open this thing after, and, and again, even open debate is a misnomer, because the debate should have occurred beforehand so they knew what they were voting on. But again, repeating, there have been no hearings, no chance to offer any amendments, no circulation of any bill. They gave Mitch McConnell and they gave Donald Trump a blank check to repeal. So that was in the mor- in the afternoon. And then they started a debate in the evening. I went to bed last night. I've told you before, I can see the Capitol Dome from our bedroom. And the light was on. I thought, oh, my God, they're still there. They're still debating. And they were. And they so they brought up the first repeal and replace bill. And having gotten 50 votes to proceed with debate, Mitch McConnell could only get 43 votes last night for repeal and replace so that went down in flames. So they got the most to get. Uh, they won. They won proceeding with the debate to debate, opening the debate. They lost the first round. This morning, they'll come up with round number two. God knows what's going to happen to that. They may end up with no, pardon me, with no bill at all. More likely, they're going to end up with some form of repeal of Obamacare. And as Chuck Schumer said, some massive cuts to Medicaid, as well as, remember, the bill that they considered last night, the CBO says, will throw 23 million Americans uh, off of their, uh, out of, out of health care that they now have for the first time in their lives. So there's no way anything good is going to come out of this 
vote, which is which gets to the point of John McCain, sadly diagnosed with brain cancer, and even more sadly, maybe flying across the country yesterday to cast this vote. Think about it. This is now John McCain's legacy. And I'm sorry. I know everybody today is supposed to say all the kinds of nice things about John McCain. What a hero he is. How how courageous it was for him to come back to Washington yesterday and cast this vote. Uh, and what a role model he is. You know what? I wish I could say it on the air. B.S. This will be John McCain's legacy. Did he come back here to cast a vote that's going to save the planet from global warming and climate change? No. Did he come back here to cast a vote that's going to create millions of new American jobs? Did he come back here to cast a vote that's going to give college education to every kid in America free? No. He came back here to cast a vote. He, a senator with gold standard health care, came back here to cast a vote that's going to, again, rip health insurance away from 23 million Americans. Here's Full a, stop. Here's a senator who was diagnosed with brain cancer last week who is going to get and deserves the best medical treatment in the country. He should get it. But damn it, so should everybody else. And he will deny millions of Americans who get diagnosed with cancer or one of their loved ones one from having the, the medical care that they need because he cast that vote yesterday. This is John McCain's legacy. John McCain, an American war hero. John McCain, who becomes an American coward yesterday by caving in to Mitch McConnell and to Donald Trump. And I, 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 don't, I, I don't understand it at all. And then he gives this speech, this sanctimonious speech on the floor of the Senate yesterday. Now, first of all, he says, right, don't, uh, I'm not going to, Get this now. I'm not going to vote. Okay, I'm here. I vote to open debate, but I'm not going to vote for this bill. I voted for the motion to proceed to allow debate to continue and amendments to be offered. I will not vote for this bill as it is today. It's a shell of a bill right now. We all know that. And what did John McCain do later yesterday? He voted for the freaking bill. He made that speech. To all the applause of the senators that I won't vote for this bill. And then the first repeal and replace bill, again, according to the CBO, which would throw 22 million Americans out of health care within the next decade, John McCain voted for. He's one of the 43 Republicans that voted for. But it was such a nice moment. Oh, it was such a nice moment. Oh, it yeah. was a lion's roar. Yeah. That was the dumbest thing on Twitter yesterday. Reporters saying... The lion's roar to his Senate Reporters colleagues. got into it. Everybody got into it, gushing over this. You know, John McCain flying back again. What did he fly back here for? He fly back here for one of the worst bills ever. It was a shield and cover for Mitch McConnell. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. And then John McCain also says, praises, pleased with his with his fellow. Let's go back to. Uh, we got to go back to regular order now. We have to do things uh, the way we're supposed to do things. Let's trust each other. Let's return to regular order. We've been spinning our wheels on too many important issues because we keep trying to find a way to win without help from across the aisle. That's an approach that's been employed by both sides, mandating legislation from the top down without any support from the other side, with all the parliamentary maneuvers that requires. We're getting nothing done, my friends. We're getting nothing done. 
And why are we getting nothing done again? This is the stuff. This is so hypocritical of John McCain that people don't see through it. Come on. First of all, we're getting nothing done. There's been too partisan approach. Yeah. By Mitch McConnell. Remember Mitch McConnell who said our number one goal as Republicans is to prevent Barack Obama from getting a second term. And in the meantime, to oppose every single thing that President Obama proposed, even things Republicans had supported ahead of time. They did that for eight freaking years. And now John McCain is saying both parties play that game. No, they don't. Democrats from day one on this health care issue have said, we're ready to fix Obamacare. We're ready to work with you. Mitch McConnell did not hold one hearing, did not give the Democrats one chance to participate. He put together a group of 13 Republicans to write the bill, not one single Democrat. And then John McCain says, let's return to regular order. He just voted for something which is totally outside of regular order. He voted to proceed open debate on a bill that had not, again, had not had, I hate to keep making this point, but it's important to recognize he voted to open debate on an issue where there had not been one single public hearing, not one opportunity for any Democratic senator or Republican senator to ask questions, not one opportunity for the nurses or the doctors or the health care providers or citizens groups or just average citizens come forward and tell their stories and, 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 and discuss and debate this bill. This was the total contradiction to regular order, and John McCain votes for it and then pleads, let's go back to regular order. I mean, he cannot have it both ways, and that's exactly what he was trying to do yesterday. I'm telling you, I think he destroyed his reputation yesterday. John McCain's legacy will be voting, will be this vote against, it's not just against Obamacare, it's against the basic principle that every American, every single American should have health care as a matter of right. It's not a privilege. It's a right as an American and should be considered that. Um, and then to make it worse, Donald Trump goes out in the Rose Garden yesterday and says, what a wonderful guy John McCain is. I want to thank Senator John McCain. Very brave man. He made a tough trip to get here and vote. So we want to thank Senator McCain and all of the Republicans. Oh, gag me with a spoon. Yeah, the same Donald Trump who called John McCain a coward during the campaign because he was a prisoner of war. And you don't, I mean, uh, prisoners of war are not heroes, said Donald Trump at the time. And now John McCain, who was so humiliated and embarrassed by Donald Trump during the campaign, flies all the way across the country yesterday to kiss Donald Trump's ass. Why? How can he do that? How can he how can he look himself in the mirror after having done that yesterday? This uh, is a Bill Press show breaking news update. Uh oh. Donald Trump has tweeted. Oh. It's a real juicy one. Uh this was nine minutes ago. Donald Trump on Twitter. Senator Lisa Murkowski, she's tagged in the tweet. Oh, yes. Of the great state of Alaska really let the Republicans and our country down yesterday. Too bad. Well, he'll go out after them. He'll go after Susan Collins next, I guess, right? Yeah. I'm surprised Susan wasn't in, in, included in it. I, I assume we'll, there'll be a follow-up tweet. There'll be they'll probably he, be. he started tweeting. Yeah. He, he tweeted uh, earlier this morning about uh, going to Ohio. Yeah, I saw that. Right. Now the healthcare tweets begin. Right. 
And in the wake of the vote yesterday, um, the uh, the response was uh, now um, uh, Mitch McConnell saying, well, we've got a, a, all the parties now. All the parties have to work together. The parties need to come together. <clears throat> Some issues are just more partisan than others. And I think we can all stipulate that health care has not been a subject of bipartisanship over the last seven years. Uh, yeah, I, I've said it before. It's it just one... It, it, you just wonder why lightning doesn't strike when they tell such lies. You know, is there a God or is there not? I mean, how can he say that? This is a guy, again, who shut Democrats completely out of the process, completely out of the process. Even even moderate Democrats like Joe Manchin and Angus King and others who all said, no, we want to work together. We're ready to sit down. We got some ideas. You got some ideas. Let's get together the way we used to do it. Mitch McConnell said, no, 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 no. We're going to do this with Democrats only. And, and, and he called Democrats obstructionists all the way. And then yesterday he says, yeah, we party. the parties have to work together. Bernie Sanders had it right yesterday. He's speaking, I believe this is in his speech to the NAACP yesterday. He, he called this bill exactly what it is. This is the most dangerous and destructive piece of legislation ever to be discussed on the floor of the Senate in the modern history of our country. Exactly. And mark my words, Republicans will rue the day. They will regret this vote because now they own health care and they're going to repeal Obamacare and it's going to come back in 2018 and bite them in the ass. You watch the same thing that happened to Bill Clinton and to Barack Obama when they lost big time in the first midterm elections of their presidency over the health care issue. It's going to happen to the Republicans in, 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 20, in 2018. The difference is Bill, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama were trying to do the right thing. Republicans have done the wrong thing. Uh, meanwhile, and by the way, we got a great lineup today, uh, and we'll be talking about this through the morning uh, with Congressman Mark Pocan from Wisconsin, uh, Congressman Don Beyer from Virginia, Randy Weingarten, the president of the American Federation of Teachers, and uh, Tom Perez, the Democratic National Chairman. What a great lineup today. We'll be talking about this health care and the implications of with all of them. Uh, on another front, uh, Donald Trump yesterday, uh, again, welcoming the uh, Prime Minister of, of uh, Lebanon to the White House. Uh, they had a little... Um, uh, one-on-one -on -one in the uh, Rose Garden, yeah, joint news conference in the Rose Garden yesterday. And, of course, Donald Trump's first question is, are you going to fire Jeff Sessions? Well, Donald Trump says, uh, you know, uh, first of all, he should never have recused himself, right? If he was going to recuse himself, he should have told me prior to mm -hmm. taking office, and I would have quite simply picked somebody else. Uh, so I think that's a bad thing, not for the president, but for the presidency. Yeah, what's a bad thing for the presidency is for the president uh, to be day after day after day publicly criticizing and attacking his own attorney general. Talk about an issue that's bringing the parties together. Both Democrats and Republicans are not having this. Oh, no. Democrats don't want to have to deal with this, especially during recess. Yeah, yeah. And so then the question, are you going to fire him? Donald Trump won't say. I'm very disappointed with the attorney general, uh, but we will see what happens. Time will tell. Time will tell. Uh, it, it is interesting. It's a side of Donald Trump that, uh, that seems to be coming out, by the way. Uh, I never thought I'd be uh, defending Jeff Sessions, but 
uh, because I think he's probably he, he's the worst possible attorney general. Uh, at the same time, uh, you can't treat a person like that. It's just not right. It's not fair. It's not Christian. It's not American. Uh, and if Donald Trump's so unhappy, then fire him. Fire him. But Donald Trump doesn't have the balls to fire him. That's what be- that's becoming apparent. There's an interesting question this morning from Clay a- where Clay Aiken, who was uh, on um, he- American Idol, American Idol, and ran for uh, Congress in ran South Carolina, for Congress, right? right? But he said from people he's talked to, like with The Apprentice and talking to the producers there and everything, that it wasn't Donald Trump didn't make the decision who gets fired. He would let the producers decide oh. that. Then he would just say the words. And and his, that makes sense. His mo is he would rather demean somebody than dismiss them. And so that's kind of what he's doing with um, – yeah. he, he did fire James Comey. But uh, the likelihood that he would actually fire Sessions, who knows. But to treat him uh, as badly as he is, again, is unpresidential, to say the least. And it also has an impact on the rest of his, of his administration, of his cabinet, on his dealings with um, members of the Senate, particularly Republican members of the Senate, who are not happy to see – one of their colleagues demean publicly like that. And it is also having an impact uh, among conservative organizations who see Jeff Sessions as their role model, their hero, Mr. Southern conservative. And were, they were so happy uh, that Donald Trump named him attorney general. And now that Donald Trump is going around attacking him, um, they are not happy at all, and many of the Republican—I'm uh, sorry—conservative um, um, media organizations and political organizations have publicly criticized Donald Trump for his comments about uh, Jeff Sessions. Uh, on another front, as we mentioned, the Russian thing won't go away. Paul Manafort, campaign chairman, yesterday uh, providing documents and answering questions of the Senate Intelligence Committee behind closed doors. Uh, Jared Kushner, meanwhile. Uh, moving over to the House Intelligence Committee yesterday, uh, presenting his statement and, again, uh, taking questions from members and staff. And in the House of Representatives yesterday, a big Republican vote on sanctions, uh, something that the Trump White House asked them not to do. Uh, The House went ahead and voted in a big bipartisan vote to increase sanctions on Russia on North Korea and Iran. That moves over to the Senate, which has already indicated its willingness to do the same, uh, which is setting up a big decision for uh, Donald Trump. He wants a free hand to maybe to lift those sanctions for his buddy Vladimir Putin. The House and the Senate are both saying, nope, we don't want to give you that authority. We want to take that authority away, and we want to make the sanctions even tougher. Again, uh, so you see, so much going on, and we left a lot of it uh, unsaid yet. But we got time, and we got some great guests to talk. Mark Pocan, Congressman Mark Pocan, who is the vice chair of the Progressive Caucus, starts us off a little bit later again. Congressman Don Beyer, DNC chair Tom Perez, and uh, AFT president Randy Weingarten. On this Wednesday, July 26. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show.
Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. How about it? Here we go. Wednesday, July 26th. Hello, everybody. Great to see you today. It is the Bill Press Show live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day, breaking news of the day here in Washington. And we're brought to you today by the American Federation of Government Employees. Yeah, we salute them. These are the men and women who keep our federal agencies running day in and day out under the leadership of President uh, J. David Cox. They are on the front lines, uh, and um, we uh, salute their good work and their support of the program. Uh, with so much happening uh, on Capitol Hill, it keeps members of Congress running day and night, early in the morning even. And Congressman Mark Pocan starts the day with us today from uh, Wisconsin's 2nd Congressional District. Uh, not only a um, uh, full-time job of representing the 2nd District of Wisconsin, but he is also the vice chair of the Progressive Caucus. Hello, Congressman. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Great to, to see you here. again. Let me move that uh, microphone oh, over so we can all uh, hear you. So... Uh, yesterday, um, Republicans did what they had promised to do, right? Yeah. You know, the, uh, flew, a day that will live in infamy. Yep. Flew John McCain back. I, the worst part I think really is they don't know what they're voting on and they opened up to vote on it. Right. Uh, you know, cause they've had bills that shown up to 35 million people could lose health insurance. Yeah. And they didn't even ask what the question was. They just said, yeah, give me the test. And, uh, right. you know, I think what that tells me is uh, they're going to try to figure out by hook or crook how to get this done. And uh, at the end of the day, the American people are going to be at huge risk on losing health care. Well, yeah. And how can they talk about, and even John McCain giving a speech yesterday saying, we got to return to regular order when he just votes <laughs> for something that is so far right. outside of regular order, we've never seen anything yeah, like it. As you point out, they vote to open the debate not knowing what they're going to be debating. Yeah. Any Republican, I mean, Paul Ryan loves to talk about regular order, too. Any Republican who espouses regular order at a time that they have the most irregular Republican caucuses in, in each of those houses, right? I mean, thanks to the Tea Party and everything else, it's like the Adams family. You've got Cousin It, you've got Morticia, you got, you know, Uncle Fester. I mean, it, they, they can't agree on anything. You know, what's interesting, I think, Bill, is, you know, yesterday we had a rollout of all the different caucuses within the Democratic Party uh, from the New Dems, uh, Blue Dogs, the Progressive Caucus. I was there from our um, CBC, CHC, and our Asian American um, caucuses, and we all were there with unity on the um, better deal, right? Talking about better jobs, yes, better wages, yes, a better future. That, right. Yeah, and you know, it's something that we all can agree on these core principles, and they're pretty, they're strong core principles. Republicans, not only are they not on the same page, they're not even reading out of the same book, and the books they're reading out of are in different languages. I mean, and they really can't function. So here we are, seven months into a year, they haven't mm -hmm. done anything but a pathetic vote in the House to take away. Healthcare from several, you know, tens of millions of people, and now the Senate, and, and this is all they can do. And at the end of the day, they're going to go home and take a, a break after taking away healthcare from tens of millions of people. I think there's going to be a huge backlash next fall. Yeah, um, I hope the cannabis caucus was there too. Were they represented? <laughs> yeah, I think you got a little <laughs> bit of everybody. <laughs> okay, good. I just want to be sure. Yeah. Cannabis caucus. So um, it was two days ago that uh, down in Berryville, Virginia. Um, Senate Democrats, House Democrats, the leadership, um, I don't know whether mm -hmm. you were that out in Berryville, but uh, came forward with this plan, a better deal for yeah. America. Uh, and tell us, tell us about what, I mean, 
what I don't know, what is the better deal? What are yeah. the so, so this is the thing you know. For? It's the core economic issues that we need to be talking about as a party. I mean, you and I have talked about what happened last fall in Wisconsin, right? Um, the message was largely, "I'm not him." Uh, Hillary Clinton never came. Yeah, yeah. She was ambiguous at best on trade. Um, again, not it's easy to look back on, on and say these things. So I'm not trying to you know trash mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton along the way. I'm just saying that there are a lot of flaws that we didn't talk to enough. Uh, voters in Wisconsin, we had a 200,000 Democratic voter drop off. Uh, so uh, I think what this is really addressing are those core economic issues, how you create uh, better paying jobs. And we have a number of provisions about talking about that, how to create more of the better paying jobs, how to make it so that the cost of living for people is more affordable from health care to prescription drugs to college affordability. And then talking about people's future, how to make sure that we're investing in businesses that are actually creating those good uh, paying jobs and, and other ideas. It's a core economic message that I think will resonate with any of those people that didn't vote last fall in Wisconsin. We'll understand now that we, we understand what we didn't do right. Right. And the Republicans absolutely don't have their backs. Here they are trying to take away their health care. I think it's a great contrast to a Republican Party that seems to be in disarray. And it also shows, right, that here's what Democrats are. Here's who, who we are. Here's who. Here's what we are for. It's, it's not enough, as you point out, and we certainly learned and should have known before, it's not enough to say, oh, this other guy is so bad. He's yeah. so bad. You can't vote for him. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's you can say that, but you often have to say, but here's what we're going to do. Yeah, and here's a vote. I mean, I I keep referring to my hometown of Kenosha, Wisconsin, in Paul Ryan's district, (laughs) where um, Obama won by 13 points and then Trump won by one. And but more interesting is the votes. Only about a thousand more people voted for Trump than Romney. But 9,000 fewer people voted for Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. They chose to stay home because even much as they still didn't trust Donald Trump, only 1,000 yeah, more people bought yeah, his rhetoric. Yeah, yeah. They chose to not go out and vote for anyone because Hillary Clinton didn't speak close enough didn't, to them. Didn't and so now I think we're saying as a party, we get that uh, very, very clearly. We now have a very clear economic core agenda, what people talk about at their kitchen tables can they afford their rent or mortgage? Can they have health care for their families? Can they send their kids to college if they want to go? And can they take a family vacation? That, that's yeah. what real people talk about. Yeah. And then you can yeah. talk about all those yeah. other issues that are out there. But unless you are engaging at that level, you're not engaging. So is this in a – is it like in written form? Is it something that all Democrats are going to be talking about? Yeah, there's uh, actually 12 different, I think, um, <laughs> papers on some of the issues that make up the, those three parts of the better jobs, better wages, and better future. And uh, what was interesting, again, is you had the Blue Dogs, which is our most conservative element within the party, uh, the New Dems, which is our more moderate slash, I guess, corporate, some people would say, wing mm-hmm. of the party, and the Progressive Caucus, our largest values-based caucus, uh, all standing together because we saw these core principles as something we agree on. Now, we might have other issues where we go in different directions, but on those core economic principles, we know what we've got to turn around to make people's lives better. Now, you mentioned um, uh, Wisconsin, Kenosha. You're getting close to Paul Ryan's district. So mm-hmm. what is he finding when he goes out and holds town halls in his district? Yeah, you know, I think he's finding that he's in a different year a couple years ago because he hasn't done a town hall, <laughs> a public town hall in his district for over 650 days. And that's... Well, he's um, a speaker, right? He's, uh, maybe he's yeah, well, getting too good for the people in his know, district. He, he goes to Texas and he goes to all these other places and takes $10,000 yeah. photo uh, opportunities. But 
you know, um, that's my hometown in that district, Kenosha, and uh, my husband's hometown is in Janesville. I know that district uh, probably second only to my own. Um, it's very much a deindustrialized area. A lot of people used to make cars in Kenosha at one point, 14,000 people, uh, comparable numbers uh, in Janesville. Uh, no one makes cars anymore in those areas. Uh, you lost a lot of good paying jobs. Paul doesn't in my opinion, represent that district especially well. No one is saying, my priority is I lost this great paying job. Now, please take away my health care. You know, that's not what's happening. But if he would have a public town hall, uh, he would hear those things. So I've actually done four public town halls in his district this year oh, alone. Really? Yeah. Four different counties. Yeah. Uh, because if he won't talk about that health care bill that's a train wreck that he wrote, someone should let people know about it because he's not listening to his constituents. And you know uh, as well as anyone what happens when you don't listen to your constituents is eventually uh, they choose uh, not to have you represent them. And I think uh, he's at risk of that right now. We, uh, Congresswoman uh, Pramila Jaipal from uh, Mm -hmm. Washington State was here yesterday and uh, she had just done a town hall in a neighboring Republican district where the same thing, the guy would not hold a town hall and people wanted one. So she said, all right, I'll come over and give you a chance to talk to a member of Congress, right? So what kind of reception do you get in his district? First of all, they're so happy just to see someone who actually can listen and maybe take their <laughs> their issues somewhere. Um, and, and what's funny is, you know, Paul's excuse, and it really is an excuse, it's kind of like a dog ate my homework sort of thing, is that uh, they're going to bus in people from out of district and they'll be angry at his town halls. You know, I, I go and people are so friendly and they just want to talk about their issues with their family and pre-existing conditions and other things. It's just, it's such a misdirected, he just doesn't want to actually face the people who elect him. So he's doing telephone town halls, which I think mm-hmm. you know how those work. Mm-hmm. Um, I did two my first year. I've never done them again because they're paid infomercials out of taxpayer funds, out of your MRA, and uh, mm-hmm. you pick the questions you answer. Mm-hmm. So you can have them all done ahead of time. People just listen to you. It's, it's a commercial. Um, at least I do Facebook live town halls. I did one two nights ago where people can see the questions as I'm seeing them, and at least they know hold me a little accountable, and those are free. But I do that to augment my public town halls where I actually talk face-to-face with people because nothing beats that. So I think when Paul doesn't do that, he's showing a disdain, I think, for his constituents that he doesn't care enough what they think about because the crowd he runs with now are the $350 a bottle of wine crowd, and that's who he's hanging yeah. out with, not the people in Kenosha. No. Uh, I must admit uh, that in my <laughs> political life uh, as a political aide and press secretary or whatever, I even forget which candidate, but there have been times when I rigged one of those town halls where it's a televised thing and we're taking calls. And, you know, we, we were we had our staffers calling in. Right. right, I mean, right. We, yeah. And, and we certainly chose which calls we took and which ones we did not. Yeah. It was all phony, it's yeah. all phony and, to, to make them look good. It's not a real. Well, and here's the other town hall town he does. Hall. He'll go to an employer. He'll have a 25-employee uh, town hall. They write down their questions, submit them to their boss, oh. who then reads them. Oh. And guess uh, yeah. what? No one ever asks about health care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, there, it's just so okay. – no one is that dumb. And the fact that he thinks his constituents are might alone uh, show the disconnect and why he's writing bills that take away health care from tens of millions of people. Yeah. Now, there is a bright light, however – uh, in the, if you're the second district, Paul's the first, is he? Yes. Yeah. We have neighboring districts. We share a yeah. county. Okay. Uh, and that bright light was in studio with us a couple of weeks ago. Iron stash, right? Yep. Randy Bryce, yeah. the iron worker who is challenging, uh, Paul Ryan, who, um, is a hell of a candidate. 
Absolutely. You know, he fits the district extremely well. Like I said, I still know that area uh, very, very well. He's been raising uh, money. He needs to raise more, but he's raising money, which is great. Uh, a lot of money for that district. Um, you know, I think there's a real contrast. He's getting around the district talking about issues that people really care about. That inaugural video he put out when he announced was, uh, I think, wow. the best kickoff I have seen of uh, pretty much any candidate. And uh, I love his line. You know, he, he talked a, about health care, his own yeah. story and his mother. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's got the personal connection. And then he said at the end of his that video, he says, look, Paul, let's trade jobs. You come work the iron and I'll take your job. I think that's a message that for you know, will really uh, resonate with a guy who's disconnected, not in his district, not talking to his constituents. And then here's a guy saying, look, I'll actually do my job as a member of Congress, represent you because I'm one of you. Uh, there's a, a great contrast. And Progressive Caucus last week made our first endorsement of the, the 18 cycle, and it was Randy Bryce. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. Uh, well, he's great. He's raised money from all over the country. And I know we had a great response here. And, and he's going to need to continue that because Paul Ryan can pretty much print sure, money. Sure. But you can only print so much money when you're not around and people start understanding that that's the messages you don't care enough to be in your district. So, but, but, Randy is running a great race. He's going to continue to run a great race if people around the country continue to recognize that. Well, people also, a lot of people just figure, you know, why why should anybody run against Paul Ryan? Because it's impossible to knock any of the leaders off. You know, they've, they, 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 they can it's almost print money, mm -hmm. but in that positional leadership. And then we remember... Eric Cantor. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes, no, exactly. I mean, and um, before that in Washington State, uh, the Democratic leader who Tom uh, Foley. lost Tom Foley. And, you know, it's not impossible. Tom Daschle was knocked and off when he was a Senate majority Especially leader. at a time like this, right? I mean, look at all the activism. People are concerned about losing health care. There is no grassroots movement asking for tens of millions of people to lose access to their health insurance. This is uh, uh, between, between the ego uh, and fantasies of Donald Trump. I think Paul Ryan feeling embarrassed he couldn't get the vote done the first time, so he forced his members to take the vote. Mitch McConnell doing whatever he's doing in the Senate. And at the end of the day, there's going to be, I think, a hell of a price to be paid. And that price is going to be a lot of people losing in 2018. So there's well, swing races, but also the leaders who wrote this plan. We know the, uh, the, the House bill uh, had the support of 17 percent of the American people. That's probably because right. they didn't know what was in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, right. It would have yeah. been even lower, yeah. right? And the Senate bill, which is in many respects worse than the House bill, they, yep. they, they took a bad bill and made it worse. And then when that they couldn't get the votes for that one, they made their second attempt at repeal even worse than that. Yeah. So God knows what they're going to end up with. Well, and this but, is what's so interesting, but right? It's not something the American people are climbing for. In fact, uh, I, I don't know. But I've seen more and more stories lately. And we had a reporter in yesterday from NBC who's been out in the field talking to people who used to support repeal until they realize, oh, crap, that's going to take my health care away. Yeah. Well, and people are starting to realize. It's not just the, the people on Medicaid. It's not just the people who are going to lose it who have the Affordable um, uh, Care Act insurance. It's you're going to have rates go up for everybody. If you go back to the bad old days, you know, I've been a, a private sector employer for nearly three decades, 29 years. I remember those double-digit increases we had on a regular basis. And you're going to go back to that. If you go back to people having to go to emergency rooms to get care yeah. who don't have coverage, 
someone pays for that. It's all the rest of us. All of our rates go up. If they take away some of those essential health benefits, you're going to be paying for that or not getting health coverage. People got to remember how bad it was prior to the Affordable Care Act. Do we have to tweak and fix the Affordable Care Act in a few areas? Absolutely. Republicans should sit down with Democrats. We're more than willing to sit down and do that. But to throw it away without any idea of what the replacement is, because their replacement, this is really about tax re- tax breaks for the wealthiest, right? Mm-hmm. For big mm-hmm. insurance, big pharma, and the wealthiest individuals uh, that are going to get a tax it's a break. a massive redistribution of wealth. That's what it's really about. You know, Paul Ryan, I think when he was four, got a sandbox <laughs> and he was already figuring out how to, you know, redistribute that. Um, you know, he's always wanted uh, to do tax breaks for the wealthiest in this country. Remember he talked about his uh, comments when he was in keggers in college and he was thinking about taking away health insurance for people. This is his obsession. That's why no matter what they do, that's what they're trying to get to. So it's bad enough people will lose health care. But in the end, you're also going to have these giant tax breaks going to the wealthiest in this country. And who's going to pick that up again? The rest of us. And I think you know it's like a one-two punch. Um, I just think that they're very uh, out of touch with reality and what they're putting out there. Congressman Mark Buchan with us uh, from uh, Wisconsin's 2nd Congressional District. Uh, Mark's colleague, uh, Don Beyer. Congressman Don Beyer from Virginia's 8th Congressional District, right across the river here, will be joining us uh, in the next half hour. Again, a little bit later, DNC Chair Tom Perez and Randy Weingarten, President of the American Federation of Teachers. Um, we got all the heavy hitters it's today. It's a great man. lineup, yeah. 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 <laughs> go, Don is one of the, the nicest guys. I uh, love uh, serving with him. And um, yesterday, Tom Perez followed me on a different thing. And Randy Weingarten, I was on a a rally with uh, fairly recently. She's awesome. So yeah, absolutely. Group. No, we got uh, got all the heavy hitters in today. So on another issue, um, the Donald Trump is convinced uh, that he would have won the popular vote if, if only three to five million people had not <laughs> voted illegally for Hillary Clinton. He won't let go of that, and so he's appointed this commission, the Voter Fraud Commission, right? Yeah. Our voter suppression commission, as some people call it, to prove that this is true, and they've asked every state to um, to provide all the information on the on the who voted and who didn't vote in their state. Is Wisconsin going to comply? Um, well, that's we're trying to stop it right now. We just did a letter uh, from Gwen Moore, um, Ron Kine, and myself, the three Democrats in our delegation, asking them not to. Their their initial reaction was not to provide all the data. That they're asking for. But let's talk about this commission. It's run by the guy who is uh, infamous for the interstate cross-check process, right, to take away and drop, m- purge millions of people from the voter rolls to begin with. So he's a part of that. This is uh, the uh, uh, um, Secretary of State of Kansas. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Kovac, right? Yeah. Kovac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Isn't it J- Jamie Kovac? Kovac. Kovac. Yep. Kovac. Yeah. yeah. And um, so... This is already his record is purging people that way uh, who you know might have had like if your name is Jesse Rodriguez and you're another Jesse Rodriguez in Oklahoma. Clearly, you're the same Jesse Rodriguez, uh, even if your middle names are different or your dates of birth are different or anything. And they drop people. Right. But I think his, his he even goes so far as if you moved, if you are the same person and you moved and your name is in two states, then you're dropped, right, which right. doesn't mean you're voting in two states. No, no, exactly. I mean, I have moved from I moved from California to D.C., right? Mm-hmm. I didn't call California and say, hey, we're moving, take right. us off the voter rolls. I just never showed up to vote yeah. there, right? Or, yep. I mean, actually, 
Well, that's a long story. But. but this is the purging of millions of voters, right? So now they want to run this commission and they want all this data on you. Well, yeah. a couple things. One, first of all, this is to just continue to purge voters, to get rid of more legitimate voters because they're trying to get to the point that they have the voters they want rather than the voters picking their elected officials. They want to pick their voters. But second, that's a huge breach of data. We do, we know the Russians just interfered with our elections. We know <laughs> right. others are capable of interfering. Now yeah. put one yeah. giant database out there. I think you've got a lot of conservatives who are concerned about that, too. That's a, an affront to, I think, our values. So we're doing everything we can to try to fight it. Um, in Wisconsin, they already were saying they were going to consider partial data because you can buy that partial data. We're saying don't even give them that. This is a terrible idea, a terrible project by uh, a, an egocentric president who still wants ex- can't accept that he lost the popular vote, was elected by the Electoral College, and he has to prove somehow that people voted illegally because that's the only way they couldn't have accepted him. Right. Isn't it um, sort of contradict everything that you thought the Republican Party stood for, too? I mean, if if, if there were ever big federal government, big, right. big federal brother federal government coming in, right, uh, and, and snooping into everything, it's this, right? Yeah. They even went, it, it's how many times have you voted in the last whatever, what party did you vote, um, where did you vote, and what's your social security number? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it, it's um, Donald Trump. I mean, he's just set a, a, a new bar. Uh, we've had to dig quite a bit to put the bar as low as he set it uh, on the standards that they've had. And I think that's why, you know, I'm watching, you know, Paul Ryan used to stand up to him during the election. Right. And I think did the right thing. Now, I think that Paul Ryan has been abducted and we've got some alien pod creature instead that just, you know, is rolls over and gets his belly rubbed whenever the president needs it. And we're seeing now the same thing with McConnell. And I think there's a price to be paid for that. I mean, you know, people, even though Trump still has his hardcore base, that 36 percent that's not going to budge, there's a lot of people who just realize how embarrassing this president is to this country and the damage that's happening. But more importantly, that his values are not their values. Right? And I think we, at some point you got to quit the Trump bashing because I think people know who Trump is. But talk about the real bottom line is that this is a still a pretty rigged system and Trump is a product of that rigged system. And that every time he puts another Goldman Sachs executive in when he was supposed to be draining the swamp and everything oh, else, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we're swimming against. And people understand that. The Trump voter and the Bernie Sanders voter came, I think, in many places uh, from the same way. They saw that rigged system. Uh, but Donald Trump is the rigged system. He is not fighting the rigged system. And I think uh, if we focus on that, it's part of that core economic message as Democrats we have now with the better deal. Yeah. I think that's how we, we really There relate. is not one person around him who has any idea what the average American, the challenges average American, working class Americans well, His comments today. around insurance, thinking I'm, it was a, you know, $12. But look, so he brings, like, in, yeah. he brings in a new communications director. Yeah, another guy from Goldman Sachs, right. another Wall Street mogul, right? Yeah. So it's the, the, the mooch and the mogul, as, as Maureen Dowd called them. Yeah. Now, Congressman, uh, to, to the, um, at the risk of uh, contradicting ourselves about questions, planted questions. Mm-hmm. We did ask our listeners today, if anybody has honest, open questions yeah. to you, sure. uh, to, to uh, tell us. Good. And so Jamie's <laughs> got a, at least a couple here. Right. All right. So I want to start with at These pause, are unfiltered. Unfiltered questions on Twitter, on our Twitter at BP Show. This is from at pause the process, MF Hire on Twitter. Okay. Congressman, with ACA under threat, uh, is single-payer health care the top priority of the Progressive Caucus? They also add you're among the best in Congress. 
Uh, well, oh, well there you thank go. you right. very much. I appreciate that. Um, you know, we've been promoting our Medicare for All single-payer plan uh, very extensively. We have 115 <laughs> sponsors in Congress now, the top we've ever had. Uh, so, yes. John I mean, Conyers has been working on that a long absolutely. time. Absolutely. And you know what? We had people like uh, Joe Crowley, our caucus chair, signed on recently. Um, we're getting a lot of people... Uh, including in leadership, to be looking at it because we are kind of relentless in putting it out there. What we're, what we're clearly seeing is while we need to right now fix the Affordable Care Act so tens of millions of people don't lose access to health insurance, clearly this debate has shown us aspirationally uh, we need to make sure health care is a right for every single person. You can best do that through a Medicare for All plan, and uh, it is a top priority. It is exciting to see uh, that um, Medicare for All single payer is getting more and more attention. Even Chuck Schumer said, yeah. yes, it's on exactly. the table. Exactly. Uh, Jamie, another quick one. One more quick question. I think this is a good place to end. This is at Coach Leah on Twitter, tweeting to us <laughs> at BP Show. Uh, she wants to know who you think the new face of the Democratic Party is. Wow. You know, I don't think we have to have a single face. In fact, I think we're better when we don't have a single face. But there are a lot of... Uh, Folks who are, are, I mean, Chuck Schumer alone being new and bringing into his leadership team, people like Tammy Baldwin from Wisconsin, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. I think those uh, were great add-ons to get, make it a more progressive, yeah, yeah. connected leadership. And the same thing on the House side. We now have a great communications uh, team that, that just came up with this better deal. We've got a lot of great people. I don't think you need a single face. I think we just need to be having the right um, messaging uh, and making sure that people get a chance to get out to vote. Well, one great face for the Democratic Party, Congressman Don Beyer, your colleague, great joins guys. us next. This Thank you, Congressman. Is the Bill awesome. Press Thank you, Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. Remember the day, Tuesday, July 25, the day Republicans took away your health care for you and your family. They said it was just a procedural vote. Uh-uh. Don't believe it. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It's good to see you today on this Wednesday, July 26, The Bill Press Show, coming to you live from uh, our nation's capital, and joining you everywhere you are in this great land of ours, coast to coast, right there with you on the radio, on television, and on uh, online, of course, uh, starting on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, on many fronts yesterday was a big news day. The procedural vote uh, on health care in the Senate, followed by uh, the first vote on an actual plan to repeal and replace uh, the procedural vote carried. The vote to repeal and replace died last night. Uh, in the Senate. They continue debate today, but they don't know what they're doing, and God knows what they might come up with. They don't even know what they're voting on. They just voted to vote and to debate. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Donald Trump continues to um, smear Jeff Sessions every opportunity that he has, uh, and the Russian 
question will not go away. Paul Manafort and Jared Kushner both on the Hill yesterday uh, testifying in front of the Senate and the House Intelligence Committee on their meetings that they had with uh, Russians. Uh, where does this start? Where does it end? I don't know, but we'll get some some insights we, uh, we know from Congressman Don Beyer from Virginia's 8th Congressional District. It's hard keeping up with all this stuff, Congressman. Bill, I, it's you know? just astonishing. Did you ever have a time when there was this much to talk about, this much to fight about or to be concerned about? Well, it's, no, but maybe this much like in a week, but this much every day. Every day. Every and in the summertime. Day. And it's, yeah, it's and, July. And you didn't even talk about Tom's speech to the Boy Scouts. Oh, my God. Uh, which we is should, so embarrassing. We about that. It is. It, yeah. For so and many. And sad. Yeah, yeah. And so many yeah. levels. I mean, he goes in front of the Boy Scouts and he's talking about this guy who's got this yacht and getting all these hot chicks on his yacht in yeah, the Mediterranean. Yeah. And I trashing mean, the former president. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did, did you ever hear... Barack Obama say something unkind about George W. Bush, or George W. Bush say something unkind no. about Bill Clinton, or no, no. you know they, no. they've all been yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, respectful of the office. And yeah. this guy can't get over Hillary Clinton. No. He can't get over Barack Obama. Yeah. So Congressman Don Byer here with us for this uh, for this first half hour, and then we're going to be joined by Tom Perez, the DNC, chair of the DNC, and uh, Randy Weingarten, president of the American Federation of Teachers. But first. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Wednesday morning. We begin with a new poll out this morning from Politico and Morning Consult. Involves some topics we talked about with Mark Pocan. Uh, This is regarding the popular vote. Uh, This poll found that 49% of Trump voters think that he won the popular vote. (laughs) Which, of course, is not true. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by at least 2.9 million votes. He thinks he won it, votes. except for the 3 to 5 million who voted illegally for her. Yeah. So right. we now know his voters are very much on the same page as him. However, no nothings. when you look at all voters, no matter the party, 59% think Clinton won the popular vote. I still think that's a little too low for, for all voters. Yeah. So. Uh, Talk about the links between the Trump administration and Russia. We have a new one this morning. It's a little unusual, however. U.S. Energy Secretary Rick Perry was caught in a prank with a Russian prankster. Uh, These guys, it's a a duo. They're often known as the Jerky Boys of Russia. If you remember the Jerky Boys in the 90s here in America, they were big on on prank calling and airing it out. Uh, Perry had a... 22-minute call on July 19th discussing the U.S. nuclear weapons program, uh, also sanctions against Russia, and how they could bring coal into the Ukraine. Uh, He was actually just talking to a bunch of pranksters who do this for a living. So our U.S. Energy Secretary, Rick Perry, duped by the Russians in quite an unusual fashion. I, I, I think I'd fire the communications director. <laughs> That's it. There's some due diligence that wasn't done there. Yes, yeah. That's a surprise we got right there. <laughs> On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Hey, hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome to the program here, the Bill Press Show on this Wednesday, uh, July 26th. So good to see you today. We're coming to you live from our nation's capital, booming out to you on Free Speech TV, coast to coast, also on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. And, of course, joining you 
in the great Chicago area on WCPT. Um, it's a busy time. This is supposed to be the dog days of summer, uh, but no, we've never seen activity like this, uh, both in the Senate, in the House, and down at the White House. Congressman Don Beyer, uh, right across the river here from Virginia's 8th Congressional District, uh, joining us here in studio. Congressman, always good to see Bill, you. Bill, thank you for the invitation to be uh, there. I think, I'm not sure it was whether it was in your district or not, but... Um, Many of uh, the leading Democrats were in Berryville, Virginia, just a couple of days ago, introducing this new uh, yeah, agenda. Yeah, yeah. Of, the, uh, the better deal. The better deal. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of it? Well, I, I'm excited. Berryville, of course, is a beautiful little town. Not in my district. Oh, uh-huh. I, when I was lieutenant governor many decades ago, it was part of my of course. responsibility. Yeah. It's yes. in Clark County, which is Virginia's smallest county, and uh, actually the home of Harry Bird. Is that right? Yeah, which, he, which, which they didn't come up the other day. <laughs> no, right. Huh. Um, but it's nice the way it's, you know, the Democrat, after we lost the election, Hillary won the popular vote, of course, but we lost the election. Um, there's so much internal discussion about what does it mean to be a Democrat? What's the Democratic Party stand for? And I, yeah, I can tell you in a sentence that we're, we're, we're the ones fighting for the little guys. We're the f- fighting for people that, that are powerless. You know, to me, that has always been the definition of the Democratic Party. Yeah, yeah. Since I was a kid, I remember, you know, my right, parents right. were Republicans. But the, our next door neighbor convinced me and told me these the Democratic Party. They're the ones fighting for the little guy. Yeah, it, it, whether it's the, the, the guy who's working in the coal mine or the person that's working on minimum wage at Walmart or the, the immigrant or, or an African-American or just women for the longest time. Um, but so the, the better deal, though, has a nice resonance with the New Deal. Uh, and rather than trying to talk to the coastal elites where Democrats do very well anyway, people with college educations were, were great. We're trying to have a message that, that really talks to the people that have been left behind. And frankly, th- those are the ones that we didn't get mm-hmm. last November. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, right. And so, and so we're really trying to say, hey, uh, not, not to steal Bill Clinton's phrase, but we feel your pain. Yeah. And we identify with it, and we're going to do our best from a policy and leadership to address that. So this is an uh, an economic populism, I guess. Agenda, very, huh? very, very much an economic yeah. agenda, mm-hmm. um, and trying to put you know people not just back to work, but to give them work with dignity. You know, so they they actually can think about retiring. They can be proud of what they do, and uh, and and not just better skills. There are a lot of people that need to be skills, but. You know, the, the, I've read so much over the years about blue-collar intelligence, um, which is greatly undervalued. You know, I, mm. I've been part of the family car business for forever and ever. And I, I, we have mechanics out there that maybe graduated from high school who are smarter than you or I. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, huh. The things they can figure out. I haven't heard that phrase before, blue-collar yeah. intelligence. It's, it's really That's a remarkable. powerful phrase. Yeah, yeah, and it's very real. Right. I mean, just think of all the craftsmen who can do things that you would have no idea how to begin. But they know it, and they know it instinctively. I mean, they, they've done it again and again. So. Right. Now, part of that economic security for families, of course, is health insurance and the ability to buy health insurance and good basic health insurance that's going yeah, yeah. to gonna actually cover something when you need it, right? Yeah, As yeah, opposed. Yeah. So um, how do you think this whole Republican effort to repeal Obamacare actually plays out with America, the American people. Well, my my deep hope is that the Republicans ultimately this week can't come up with anything, or if they come up with something that is so thin, yeah, that they send it back to the House and there's nothing really to approve. That would be the yeah. best outcome of this, right? Yeah, they yeah. vote to proceed with the vote, and then they can't come up with anything, and so exactly. they finally 
end up doing what they should have done in the first place, which would, which would be to fix Obamacare. Exactly right. And, and it's always really important to celebrate the incredible things that Obamacare has done, that the 20-plus million people covered, the, the lowest rate of teen pregnancy in the history of, of the country. Um, if you don't like abortions, if you're a pro-life person, boy, you should love Obamacare. Because mm-hmm. the abortions are as low as they've been since Roe v. Wade. And uh, the, this waiver of pre-existing condition, not only the health care, but the anxiety in the families. Um, I can tell you story after story. But we know sometimes premiums are unaffordable for the working poor. And sometimes the deductibles are so high that it just becomes catastrophic insurance. And we know the when the Republicans refused to fund the so-called risk corridors, mm-hmm. there were much bigger losses for the insurance companies than they'd expected. So they're pushing their premiums up. Those are, th- But those are things we can fix. Right. And the same with prescription drug prices. I mean, it's one yeah. thing that was left out, should have been in there in it's the beginning. Absolutely should have been there. Uh, yeah. And it's, 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 it's huge. We... we um, uh, your former colleague Donna Edwards was uh, was in studio with us a couple of weeks ago after she wrote her op-ed yeah, about yeah. being diagnosed with MS, and she told us you know her medication annual medication for the M- for MS uh, is seventy five thousand dollars. Whoa! I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's just and, crazy. And she risks losing her health care because her Cobra is going to run out. You know, she's under Obamacare because as a member of Congress, you have to be under Obamacare, yeah, right? Exactly. Part right. of the bill. Yeah. yeah. And so she now has the COBRA. That runs out. If that runs out and the Republicans pass this plan. Absolutely. And, and then she goes to get insurance someplace, and uh, she's got a pre-existing condition. Exactly. Now, yeah. Ted Cruz says she can still get insurance. She's just going to have to pay a premium appropriate to the condition she has, which will be a $75,000-a-year premium. Yeah, which which people cannot afford, yeah, right? And Ted, and Ted Cruz yeah. also, isn't it? I heard him again yesterday, Congressman. He, he wants... People, he wants these low, th- these insurance plans that you could ba- basically pick up for just a few bucks, right? Yeah, but yeah, they won't yeah. cover anything. I know. So, so why bother? Yeah, you, you've often seen those. People would come by the the dealerships and try to sell these things for a dollar a week, you know, and people would get suckered into them and they don't pay anything. The, uh, you know, I, I just look and say, where's the empathy? Where is the trying to live in one of these other? families' lives and see how difficult, difficult it is and how much health care is a human right, a basic human right. Yeah, I can't, and, and uh, not that you uh, just expect anything more, I guess, out of Donald Trump, but this is something that Trump as a candidate talked about, right? We need every American to yeah, have the yeah, best yeah. possible health care. And, and look at that. It's going to be great. And, yeah, yeah, right. And, and look what they're be, doing. I know. Exact Taking away direction. what little bit that we have. Well, what that, right. what's, Bill, what I find remarkable is virtually every policy that Trump has trumpeted these last six months has hurt the people that elected him. You know, he, he, he's just going after the, the most vulnerable in our society rather than pumping them up and giving them the jobs they need, the health care they need, the security they need, moving in the wrong direction. Right. I know we're jumping around, but you mentioned that you were a lieutenant governor. We now have a former lieutenant – no, a lieutenant governor who is running for governor uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, of, of Virginia. Uh, what's that race look like to you up against uh, – it's Ralph Northam up against Ed Gillespie, who's the prototypical establishment Republican, I right? I, I've been optimistic about it. We tend to, with only one exception, um, elect a governor of the opposite party of the president, and we've never had a president this unpopular. That should help Ralph. And Ralph also, just the perfect person for it. 
um, you know, downstate state senator, wonderful physician. One of the he worked in a mash unit overseas in, in the Gulf mm-hmm. War One. And uh, although one of the things that most impresses me, he's the chairman of the pediatric hospice down in Hampton Roads. Um, so he he's been helping kids with terminal diseases, mm. um, the quality of life in their last days. And I think being governor is going to be a piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to that. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, and Gillespie, you know, Gillespie tries to stay away from the hot button issues, but um, God, he only beat Corey Stewart, who ran basically on the rise of the Confederacy by one percentage point. So you get an awful lot of Republicans that don't like Gillespie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and and, uh, and he's got uh, in, uh, certainly in Northern Virginia, right? He's got Donald Trump as a millstone around his uh, neck. Uh, I would. Uh, absolutely, very yeah. much so. Well, um, we're just hoping so, that yeah. the uh, that Virginia, which has come through with many solid members of Congress uh, like yourself, and with two great United States senators and a great governor now, will can, can continue the trend. I right? sure hope so. I mean, Terry McAuliffe has been a great governor. He has done so many really <clears throat> bold things. I want one of the things I'm most proud of. If he of, had a imagine, if he had a Democratic legislature. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, even one house, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah that, what he could get done. Yeah, you, you know, we, we 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 struggled for years with the 200 plus thousand Virginians who lost their voting rights because they had a felony. Often, 30, 40 years ago, and when uh, so he he mm-hmm. did this, got a attorney general ruling that he could do it at blanket. And so he pardoned them all and gave them back their voting rights. And then uh, the court said he couldn't do it. Uh, he had to do it one at a time. So he's been individually <laughs> signing more than 200,000 <laughs> restoration of rights. I, I've talked to him about that. He's yeah. very proud of that. And, and he should and be. He should be. Yeah, no, yeah. that's great. Yeah. He's, great. And and he's Republic- fought for the medication expansion, Medicaid expansion for, for four straight years relentlessly. Yeah. And while the Republicans are doing everything they can to suppress the vote, you know, Terry. Yeah, yeah. So one governor is really out there. Just one by, as you say, one by what? But, but Bill, don't you know that if you're a liberal like that, it's really bad for the economy, it's re- which is why our unemployment rate's down to three point seven percent in right? Virginia. Yeah, yeah. It's one percent better than the country. He's created more jobs than any governor in Virginia history. Um, you know, this having a progressive um, theme that you work with is really good for the company. For the country. For the country, and yeah. For, and certainly for the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, is uh, Terry McAuliffe going to run for president? I believe that he will be. I haven't heard a, nom- uh, a you know, nomination speech or anything yet. Yeah. But, but I think he's teed up. And he's been part of so many presidential campaigns. He knows what he's doing. He knows what yeah. he knows what the freak yeah. show is like. And, no. and he has a great wife. I mean, Dorothy. Dorothy's great. Yeah. Wonderful first lady of Virginia, and she'd certainly be ready to be first lady. Of the I think you're. I, I think you're right. Uh, I know him pretty well, and from what I've seen, he looks. He gives all the signs, and why not? He's he, got. He, his, well, he doesn't he have enough. His, ener- he doesn't have enough energy, though. He, he, <laughs> <laughs> he is boundless energy, as you know. Yeah. So um, we know that uh, uh, Congressman Don Beyer with us again. Tom Perez, uh, the chair of the DNC, and Randy Weingarten, the president of the AFT, joins us in our final half hour together today. Well. Great lineup of guests today, Cameron. Yeah, you're very, very lucky. Um, so, me, yeah. and lucky to have you here. So, um, we know Donald Trump uh, refused, as even the Wall Street Journal recommended, that he divest himself of his uh, businesses. He wants to continue making money uh, while he's president. Uh, he and his daughter and Melania, they all have their lines of stuff that they're selling. And then he's got his properties all over the world. Um, but you're trying to rain on his parade a little bit there, Congressman. Well, how so? 
you know this the whole emolument deal. Yeah, uh, and and emolument which is a, part it, of the Constitution. It is, and it's a hard concept because most people you know couldn't spell it until a couple of months ago. Um, but we found you know, just a really basic, simple thought, which there you have a three and a half appropriations bills on the House floor this week. So we thought we would amend them to say that you can't use taxpayer dollars to pay for federal employees to stay in Trump hotels. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. You just, uh, I I would never say, hey, let's use, let's go buy some cars for my family. (laughs) Um, We'd be totally wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And and so we had to do four different amendments for one for the intelligence appropriations, one for, you know, the the defense appropriations, et cetera. Um, But that's okay. But and I'm looking forward to getting on the House floor this afternoon and say, this is really simple. We can't use scarce taxpayer dollars to make Donald Trump rich. You know, the one perception that I think people have is that 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 the president is very self-serving. You know, he has not done anything to suggest that um, he doesn't use, plan to use this office to get richer. No, in fact, just the opposite. Just I mean, the opposite, yeah. I, I, I forget now how many days that he has spent at either Mar-a-Lago or Bedminster, New Jersey, right, or right, the right. Sterling, Virginia, right, or he goes anywhere. It's to one of his properties, right, right, and and, and then charging rent and charging rent, <laughs> yeah, right, sure, yeah, so, to Trump Hotel. So what you're mm-hmm. saying, like, if there are federal employees who are traveling, like, go to Vegas, right, they can't stay in the Trump Hotel exactly on the federal right. dollar. Right. Exactly right. And that, you know, that would be true anywhere around the world. Would that also be true like if the State Department could not hold an event in the Trump Hotel? Exactly and- right. And, you know, what you saw already here in town is that so many of the foreign embassies that are here have changed their yeah. where they stay and where their events are to the Trump Hotel here in downtown D.C. and in New York also. Um, they're trying to curry favor with the president. What better way than to be writing checks to his family business? Right, and so when you, when they see him or whatever at some reception, they can say, "Oh man, yeah, yeah hotel's yeah. great. We love yeah, the hotel. I love that right? room eighteen twelve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, I, I think many of us feel that his net worth is rather inflated. You know, that a lot of this is a house of cards. When you figure U- U.S. and European banks haven't wanted to lend to him, which is why we'd love to follow the money trail back to the Russian banks. Yeah, um, and that, we will someday. I yeah, think. Yeah, you know, that, we're counting on Robert Mueller getting into that. But, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean he's rich enough, but so th- this th- these these amendments, not just one amendment, they come uh, up today, right? On the, you say it, on the floor, it, exactly. Or could? It, they could come up today on the floor, exactly. Yeah. There had to be four amendments. Got to be one for each appropriations bill, but it's a, it's the same amendment. It says no taxpayer dollars to pay for people that tra- federal employees to travel and stay at Trump hotels. Which, by the way, you know, after that the the sad GSA bash in Vegas a couple of years ago. And the Obama administration very much cut back with Congress on right. federal employee travel. Some of it's appropriate. We don't want to have bashes. But you, a lot of them really do need to travel in order to do their job well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. And um, what kind of response are you getting uh, on, well, on well, this? I, d- I didn't get any Republican co-sponsors on the amendment, surprisingly. But we might get some re- – obviously, I hope for some Republican votes on the floor – it just yeah, the, seems – the way you put it, you know, as, uh, our job is not to make Donald Trump rich, right? Yeah, yeah. and I don't I, know – I mean, it's hard – it'd be hard to vote against that. And there, there's a very few members of Congress that would ever think about trying to promote something, you know, put a rider in an appropriations bill that would help their business. I was going to say, it seems to me that you, with your family and the car dealership, have the – the best one to put forward something like this because you could say you would never consider 
passing legislation so that the House of Representatives would have to buy all their new vehicles from right, Don right, Byer. Right, right. I think all all government vehicles have to evolve those from now on. Yeah, exactly. there you go, right? right. Yeah. And you know, Subaru, how, right? it would take about a, a, a New York minute to have an ethics complaint, <laughs> which would be valid. Right. Yeah. And there are a couple of lawsuits on uh, against Donald Trump on the emoluments clause, right, too, right. Exactly, which are yeah. proceeding slowly, as they, as they always yeah, do yeah, in, yeah, in, yeah, in yeah, the courts. But yeah, meanwhile, yeah. Uh, this will be interesting to watch. Again, I think it would be hard for um, anybody to, def- to, to get out there and defend voting against this. Yeah, yeah. And they'll, they're, but they'll have to vote one way or the other, right? Well, it, it, the, the key or, or will be they, what, the Rules Committee oh. is the first gatekeeper. And if they decide that that's it's, it's not relevant, I think the germaneness is the question that they usually ask, is it germane to the bill of dance? Clearly is. But a lot of times they say, just for political reasons, well, nah, we don't approve that amendment. Right. Um, Congressman uh, Don Byer with us, Virginia's 8th Congressional District. So, uh, Congressman, there's one other issue that uh, I've been reading about where you've gotten um, uh, a little criticism, perhaps, uh, because you insist on flying the rainbow flag in front of your office. Isn't that terrible? (laughs) Um, You know, I I first, my my friend Alan Lowenthal, who is a member of Congress from Long Beach, California, and uh, I think the only... Maybe the only registered psychotherapist in Congress hmm. uh, had was flying that flag on his front door back in January, I think. And um, some fairly conservative person came by, yanked it off, and started stomping on it. And Capitol Police ultimately pulled him away. And um, I was talking to Al, and he's a good friend. And I thought, you know, I should do the same thing. Not not tear it down, but yeah, but to, to to make that statement. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we had you know one young man working for us who'd been president of his LGBT group in college. And so he, he had the flag, and we put it up. And it's been a wonderful thing. It's something that many, many people comment on. But now we're being sued um, by this crazy guy, suing, I guess, four of us, Earl Blumenauer and Susan oh. Allen and, and Alan Lowenthal and me. Um, and he, somehow he says this is a violation of church and state or some crazy thing. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm very proud. You know, we're back to what's the Republican Party mean. So we're standing up for the little guys. And you know, when I was growing up, I didn't know any gay people because everyone was in the closet because mm-hmm. it was just so, so hard to be uh, openly gay in America. And we've come a long, long way, and we need to celebrate that. So this is just uh, like in, I, I know if you go through the, 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 the House office buildings, Usually they'll be the American flag and the flag of your state, right? Yeah. And you've got, <clears throat> and we have those also. Yeah, right. And they're they're hanging up, and the the little um, you know man, many color flag is just hanging on the door. It's uh, I, I'm it's quiet. It's not obnoxious. Uh, who, and so it's, who is this guy? Is uh, it just one person? Is it? It, or, it is just one person. Yeah. Really. And yeah. and so we're not trying to take it too seriously. I mean, we, and and he's only suing for one dollar. <laughs> and he goes on for pages and pages and pages. He so. he also tried to challenge the gay marriage ruling a few years ago by trying to marry his porn-filled laptop. So he's got <laughs> quite the history. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there are going to be outliers everywhere. So, uh, yeah, 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 right. It, it isn't like the picture that uh, what was it? Uh, Lacey Clay from Missouri put up last year in the tunnel where all the high school picture. Uh, and the Republicans kept taking it down, and and because it it, it depicted 
a sort of a tense version of police violence, mm-hmm. you know, blue oh, on blue on that, black. Right. Yeah, yeah and, right. and he put it back up, and they take it down, and he put it back up, and and um, so no one's taken this down. Yeah. Um, so I haven't gotten any trouble from my Republican. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, that's good to hear that it is just this uh, one outlier, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, as you call him. You know, uh, in terms of um, we're both Democrats, right? But it, in watching Donald Trump and his public humiliation of the Attorney General of the United States, what, what, what I is keep your going take back on that? to remember Richard Nixon with his FBI director twisting slowly, slowly in the wind. I. I yeah. just can't ever imagine. One of the things I learned really early in my business career, Bill, is I never criticize one employee um, in front of another one. You know, if I say bad things about Aaron in front of you, then you're thinking, I wonder what he says about me. Yeah, <laughs> someplace yeah. else. Right. right. And and Trump, that it's, he he's so bad to to Reince Priebus, the way he treated Spicy. The, what he does to Sessions, um, the way he's tra- talked to Tillerson. I mean, t- t- Tillerson is now off in this little uh, vacation that they call Rexit right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. The uh, God, I, he'd be a terrible person to work for. Um, really, really. I have always believed that the the happiest coworkers are ones you treat as if they were volunteers. Right, because you can pay people to come to work and do nine to five and all that, but what you want is their their heart, their spirit, their enthusiasm, their creativity, and that's got to be volunteered. And the worst thing to do is what Trump has done to his people is just treat them like crap. Yeah, uh, and, and you know, and the public humiliation. And this is the guy who is, as we know, the one senator who and to endorse him, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Who traveled around the country and where when he named him attorney general. Those who doubted Donald Trump's bona fide, conservative bona fide said, oh, he did the right thing, boy. This is Mr. Conservative. They put him in as attorney general, right, and everything. And now Trump turns on him. So, uh, uh, you And know. you think about it. This was a guy who had a safe Senate seat, gives it up yes, for the attorney general, right. and, and could well be gone by the end of the week. By the way. I, I hate most of the things that Jeff Sessions has done as attorney general. Uh, absolutely. You know, the, the, the ratcheting up, the moving so far away from criminal justice reform. Um, Just trying, the opposite. Yeah, right. longer sentence. I mean, everything that we were moving in the right direction, even the Koch brothers were on board with moving forward on criminal justice reform. Uh, the whole search and seizure of assets, mm-hmm. uh, which is he's moving in way the wrong direction on that. And so I won't miss him. <laughs> Um, I, I hope we have a much more moderate, sensible attorney general. Do you th- so you're saying you believe that Donald Trump will fire him eventually? Yeah. Or? Oh, in the, and we have a pool at our house about what day it will be. Really? Uh, yeah. we, we don't. I have no inside yeah. knowledge, but you know, how can either either the attorney general Sessions will will say I'm just not going to stand this humiliation anymore. I'm out of here, or Trump clearly doesn't like the guy. He'll ultimately fire him. One of the things you know, the other amazing part though is Trump, for all of his bluster and the you're fired on The Apprentice, um, isn't very good at firing people. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, 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 but, when it actually comes to making a hard decision that requires courage and and steadfastness, can't do it. Uh, it there's, I, somewhere this morning I was read someone saying that um, he would rather demean than dismiss. Yeah, yeah L- like, like Sean Spicer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Exactly. That's sort yeah, of his yeah, MO. Yeah. A final question, Congressman. So when are we going to see the, uh, you know, this is the one big promise that everybody said, oh, this is something we can get behind. When are we going to see that uh, trillion-dollar infrastructure bill? That's moving right along, isn't it? It really is. Bill, it's so, it's so sad um, because we all know we need it. You know, the Society of American Engineers gives us a D-plus rating. And we really need $3 trillion, not one. But one's, you know, it's a good yeah, start. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not on the Ways and Means Committee, but you know Kevin Brady, who's the Republican chair, and and Richie Neal, I'm you know, Richie's a very thoughtful, sensible Democrat, Western Massachusetts. Right. They could and should sit down and say, "Here's how we're going to pay for it," and uh, Democrats will come will endorse virtually any way of moving forward on it. But Republicans got to be able to, you know, this is they're supposed to be a fiscally conservative, responsible party, right? Well. This is the one place where they're just to- not the one place, a place yeah. they're totally missing the boat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 clearly, it's not a priority for them, or, or that they would have been out there. Yeah, r- yeah, exactly. Right, right the, out the starting. And this, gate. by the way, would put a lot of those Trump voters back to work. Yep, indeed. So good to see you, Congressman. Nice to Thanks see you, so much Bill. for yeah. coming in, Thank Congressman you. Don Beyer. Uh, and uh, again, we'll be joined. Take a quick break here. Joined by Randy Weingarten, President of American Federation of Teachers. And Tom Perez, our chair of the DNC. Thanks, Carson. Good to see you. Thank you. Right. Good. With the exception of the late, great Abraham Lincoln, I can be more presidential than any president that's ever held this office. That I can tell you. Download our podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. What do you say, folks? Great to see you today. Thank you again for joining us here. The Bill Press Show live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and our studio right here on Capitol Hill, where we are brought to you today by the American Federation of Teachers. Yes, the great teachers of America making a difference in the classroom during the Lord, doing the Lord's work every day under the leadership of President Randy Weingarten. We salute them, thank them for their support of the program, and we welcome the Honorable Randy Weingarten, President of the AFT, to our program this morning. Hi, Randy. Great to see you. Hello, Thanks Bill. for coming in. <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm so honorable, but I'm glad <laughs> to be here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you want to get the two big greatest progressives in the Democrat, among the two greatest among. progressives in the Democratic <laughs> Party, let's say, you couldn't do better than Randy Weingarten and the chairman of the DNC, Tom Perez. And we got them both here today. Mr. Chairman, it's great to see you, oh, too. Bill, it's always great to be with you and your yeah. listeners and with my friend Randy. Thank you and for being in a lot of foxholes together. It's great to be with Tom. And, you know, I think that what you're seeing under Tom is a Democratic Party that is having a renewed spirit to fight both injustice and to fight for an America that that we all believe in. And Mr. Energizer Rapid here, also <laughs> on his, all over the country every time I turn around, it's Tom and you too, Randy. But I want to start, Randy, you put out a statement right away yesterday after the Republicans voted. Uh, this is 
you know, not an education issue, a health issue, but 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 it does impact. No, they're both violate. I mean, let me yeah. let me just say. So this on too. this vote yeah. yesterday, what yeah. was your take on this vote to proceed? Open the debate. I'll right. get your take too, Tom. But let me just say, Bill, before I start that, look, we as whether we're teachers, whether we're trade unionists, whether we're workers, you know, our union has put out. Uh, we believe in five values, like living wages, healthcare that works for all, public education, a, a democracy that's vibrant, and the fight against hate and bigotry. So this is, that's you it. know, what this is our mm-hmm. this is in our wheelhouse, regardless, mm-hmm. and 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 particularly, but mm-hmm. on the education piece, particularly, think about this: what the Republicans put up in the McConnell plan that w- w- was rejected decisively, even by non-Republicans. They put up $880 billion of cuts over 10 years to Medicaid. In terms of, separate and apart from what everybody else has talked about in terms of pre-existing conditions and the age tax and, and, and how many people would be off, how many, how many people they would take off of, 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 of health care, what that means in terms of schools is that for the 80% of schools that actually utilize Medicaid, 80% of public schools, that would mean that school nurses would be gone that would mean that the mm. wheelchairs, the feeding tubes that the most vulnerable kids use would be gone. That would mean health screenings would be gone. Mm. So that this bill, ending Medicaid as we know it, has a huge impact to oh. every single child mm. in America or children in 80% of the public schools in America. And so what you know, what, what we said yesterday was, I mean, I, I look, I think John McCain is an American hero. And I think what he did in terms of the speech that he gave on the floor was terrific. But that kind of speech is something that actually would say, don't vote to proceed. Right. And and, and, and yes. if you want, if you actually want to go back to regular process, then actually send a message that says, go back to regular process. And and because what, what this is about for the Republicans or for Trump is winning, and winning to them means taking away a right, right that people have. I don't get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all... <laughs> The, the fundamental challenge we have here, Bill, is that Democrats believe that health care should be a right for all and not a privilege for a few. Republicans believe the opposite. This is not a debate on health care reform. This is a tax cut for very wealthy people and uh, corporations, that none of whom need it nor deserve it, masquerading as a health care bill. If you were... Really talking about a health care bill, there ought to be two rules of thumb that would govern any debate. Rule number one, do no harm to mm-hmm. the uh, people who've already benefited from the expansion of the Affordable Care Act. And that is in you know, million, tens of millions of people have benefited from the Affordable Care Act. Rule number two, as we strive to improve it, and there are absolutely ways in which we could, does any amendment that you offer improve access to quality affordable health care. Those are the two rules. They violate every rule in America. And, and, and we should never do disrespect to all those hardworking sausage makers in America by comparing this process to sausage making because it's <laughs> utterly disrespectful to all sausage makers, Bill. And, and what they're doing, just so your listeners know, th- this is the throw anything against the wall part of their effort and hope it sticks. And here's the one that um, they're counting on sticking. It, it's the so-called skinny bill. 
Oh, right. And right. and I want your listeners to, to we, we really need yeah, to, to the talk skinny, about the skinny repeal. The, their, their, so they voted yesterday on a provision that would have um, uh, resulted in, I think, in 24 million people uh, losing their health insurance. Today, they're going to vote on a proposal that would result in 32 million people losing mm-hmm. um, access uh, to health insurance. By the way, including people who... Um, get employer-based coverage. Four million people. You're working in a job now. Your employer uh, provides your health insurance. You would lose that health insurance as a result of one of the votes that will take place in all likelihood today. In the end of the day, that proposal, I predict, will fail. And then we get to this so-called skinny skinny bill. What the goal is for the Republicans is to get to what we call a conference committee. The Senate passes a bill. The House passes a bill. And they come together. And so they're going to offer a very, very slimmed down version, which basically eliminates the uh, mandate that people Mm -hmm. buy insurance. It eliminates the employer mandate. And, of course, you can't have a bill that doesn't give a tax cut uh, to (laughs) a large corporation. So it'll eliminate the tax on medical device manufacturers. And, And the thing, first of all, it violates my two rules. Because right. when you uh, eliminate the mandate, then healthy people don't get covered. That increases premiums. I thought I heard Mitch McConnell talking about the fact that his concern that premiums were too high. So the bottom line here is all they want to do is get to a conference committee, and they think that they can find 50 Republicans to right. support that. And then the Freedom yeah. Caucus will take over. Yeah. But they, th- this is why this vote to open debate was really a vote to repeal. Was well, I mean, I mean, they I, say it's all we just want to. No, it, it was really a vote. Look, it was it is a vote. It is a vote to create a win for Donald Trump <clears throat> and a win yeah. for the corporations and for the um, folks who actually paid for the hatred to Obamacare. Because look what they did. I mean, Obamacare was based upon what Mitt Romney did in Massachusetts. For somebody like me, I believe in single payer. I believe in Medicare for all. If you have Medicare for all, you end up having, you know, you don't, you don't have the question about whether or not people pay for insurance. It is a, a, a program that everyone in America has. So for me personally, that's what I believe in. Yeah, but me what, too. What President Obama did with Ted Kennedy and others was to say, if we can't get to a consensus on that and on the public option, let's make sure we do what Tom Perez just said. How do we make sure that if somebody has a pre-existing condition that they don't um, are that they can they're not in bankruptcy or they're not dead because they can't afford health care for their cancer? How do we make sure that more people get covered? How do we make sure we deal with one-sixth of the economy? Let's go back to what the real debate was in 2009. So they cobbled together something that yeah. actually created more access. And since that yeah. point, what has yeah. happened is the Koch brothers and the others who didn't want the taxes that were used to subsidize working people having health care, they have fought it. So what this was is I think it was a repeal is this this vote that the Senate did mm-hmm. was a repeal of 
trying to get the repeal of the taxes and trying to say, see, see, we are actually taking a vote. What it is in terms of, and sorry to wear my social studies history teacher hat, (laughs) what it is is a mockery of the Constitution and of our process. Nobody does a vote to proceed in the Senate when you have no idea what you are voting on. And that's what I think you saw (laughs) in terms of the big, mon- you know, mono-to-mono bill that got voted down by even nine Republicans. Well, nine and I think that, that, yeah. that Tom is very right because Trump wants a win so much. Yeah. His win equals people losing health care and the rich having more tax cuts. But he wants that win so much that they will use every single procedural mm-hmm. ledger domain that they can find in Senate and House processes over the last 240 years to try for him to be able to say, see, I won. But win equals taking away health care for regular folks and giving a tax cut to rich folks. And there's a very tragic irony about the timing of this debate, Bill. Today is the 27th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. One of the proudest achievements, oh, yeah. a bipartisan achievement, George, George Herbert Bush. Walker Bush, right. C. Boyden Gray, uh, Republicans and Democrats, uh, Ted Kennedy, uh, the likes of uh, mm. uh, one of my heroes, Tony Quello, and Steny Hoyer, and Tom Harkin, who yeah. we had on a Democrats live live stream yesterday mm. to talk about the anniversary of the ADA. The ADA has been a lifesaver for so many millions right. of Americans, and and the thing about it is, the ADA, and and by the way. In a few short days, we're coming up on the anniversary of Medicaid. Mm-hmm. What has empowered, and I had the privilege at the Justice Department of enforcing uh, the ADA. I had the privilege in the Clinton administration of enforcing a very important Supreme Court decision that came down in 1999 that stands for the proposition that the unnecessary um, institutionalization of people with disabilities is a form of discrimination under the ADA. The ADA and Medicaid have formed this remarkable bond to be lifesavers and empowers. And what it does is it puts people to work. I meet people with disabilities every day who tell me, I want to be a taxpayer. And they want to work. They want the dignity of work and the irony. And and we had a rally yesterday and that I participated in on Capitol Hill is that um, this is not... Um, an anniversary that anybody is celebrating because of this dark cloud. Because you eliminate Medicaid, you destroy. You 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 pass the Medicaid proposal that's out there. You destroy opportunity for people with disabilities. Not to mention everybody else who's struggling with opioid abuse. Not to mention you know folks with pre-existing conditions. This the House bill is mean. Don't take my word for it. Ask Donald Trump. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Right. and the Senate version is meaner. All right. Uh, we could talk health care for hours, um, but I do want to talk also, Randy, about your uh, the battle you've been having. I mean, you've been pilloried by uh, a lot of the conservative organizations in, in this little um, issue you've raised with right. the, the education secretary, Betsy DeVos. What's the, what's the heart of it, and what are they trying to do? So uh, Betsy DeVos evidently was trying to set me up on Thursday in her speech to Alec, where she took a couple of tweets— that you know, one of our staffers did a couple of weeks ago. Tweets that I completely agree with, but she basically wanted to. She put them up on the, on on whatever whiteboards or whatever yeah. they do in you know Alex sessions, 
and said, you know, basically tweet back at Randy Weingarten because she really doesn't like individual students. And and the tweet that she was using was something that said, we need actually a public school system that works for all. Now, remember, nobody would actually it's say, if somebody on. said we needed an army that works for all, they wouldn't dare say, oh, no, yeah. no, no, we just need individual sergeants that actually are working for children. Yeah. But, but you know, you need to have, if you care about equity for all kids, you need to make sure that you have a system that is providing that for all kids. Yes, individual kids are really, really, really important, like the kid who introduced me at my speech on Thursday, one of my kids that I taught who went to, through the Navy, now is a member of ours in Wisconsin working for students. Mm. I couldn't be prouder mm. of Claudia. But 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 so what, what DeVos is trying to do is, and so she tried to do that, not knowing that at the same time, what we were doing was doing this. Public education is a public good. It is foundational to our democracy. It is not a monopoly. It is foundational to our democracy, just like public safety. And, 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 and people have known that for 240 years. That doesn't mean that we don't work to fix schools because not every public school works for every kid. And our mm -hmm. obligation is to meet the needs and aspirations of all parents. And that means we need to have lots of different choices within a public school system to do that. But what I also said was there, the things that Betsy DeVos, DeVos is actually trying to sell don't work for students and have have historically segregational roots hmm. because hmm. the people who actually started private school choice were were people who were white segregationists in the South who started it after Brown versus Board of Education. So as a history teacher, <laughs> I just happened to go through those roots. Yeah. And what has happened is that the folks who support that who have been championing this don't like anybody revealing what the historical the roots off, were, right. and they really don't like people revealing that vouchers have not worked in the main for the kids they were intended to benefit and have been used as a way to destabilize and defund public schools. So that, Betsy DeVos, last thing I'll say is, if you look at what she did in Michigan, where she was a funder hmm of private school choice, of for-profit charters. What has happened in the Michigan schools since she did this work, including paying for the change of the legislature in Michigan to go from Democratic to Republican and gerrymandering it so that that happened, is that the Michigan public schools, or the Michigan schools, schools for kids, were 28th in reading in 2003. They went to 41st in mm. reading mm. in 2015, and the same in math. So so if you're thinking about performance, and if yeah. you're thinking about helping kids, then Michigan is going in the wrong direction, and it's done that because it has defunded its public schools, it has funded these non-transparent, non-accountable, for-profit charters after the public voted against vouchers. That is the wrong direction. I called that out, and at the same time said, let us do what we need to do, the, the strategies we need to do to make sure that all public schools work for all kids. Her, her uh, reach, unfortunately, was not limited to Michigan. Right. I was in Ohio recently, and I heard an earful from educators about the impact of, that... uh, of DeVos's investments on uh, public education. And, and 
you know, I always I, Ohio, I, Florida. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean the list goes on, and you know, if you care about educational equity for all kids, you would presumably try to gain an understanding before your confirmation hearing of what the Individuals with Disabilities and Education Act is. And I, she, I still can't. She, when she was asked in her hearing about that, she said, "Oh, that's just that should be left up to the states." I mean, it was a it was an answer that was breathtaking in its ignorance. Uh, the Individuals with Disabilities in Education Act has been an absolutely transformational uh, piece of legislation. And as someone who served in local government uh, in Maryland, um, I was proud of what our school system was doing. Uh, with the IDEA. It provided so much opportunity. And and as a proud public school parent, uh, I'll just say as it relates to this choice issue, my my kids all went through the, the Montgomery County, Maryland public school systems, and, and I'm proud of it. And when they got to uh, the ninth grade, they had a choice of uh, five or six different high schools in what we called the Down County Consortium. And and so we the 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 the, the right kind of tries to hijack this issue of choice. And the choice that we've had in the public school system, we've chosen to invest our resources in improving the public school system and mm. providing those choices and opportunities. And you should see where kids from, uh, you know, the, we, our, our school is the, the largest and one of the most diverse schools in Maryland. It, it is the largest school in Maryland. It is one of the most diverse schools in Maryland. And and has provided pathways to opportunity for so many people, whether they arrived in this country six months ago or they are fourth-generation Marylanders. And, and that sort of choice and those sorts of investments are, are what we should be talking about. And we, we ought to have a secretary of education that believes in public education. And well, that's I, I really think you nailed the number of the mean, problem. The reason, the reason behind the choice, in air quotes, right, that they were trying to provide— right. Had a, had a motivation to it, right? right? I mean, I, I, I grew mean, up in a, seg- in a town where mm-hmm. it's a segregated town in Delaware, and there was a white school and a colored school. And I remember with Brown v. Board of Education, people were saying, "Oh, how do we avoid this? Right? right. How do we get around it?" And we're and look, I we are big. The, our union, you know, we're not perfect, and 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 we've had to confront, um, you know, our own. Issues with white privilege and with, you know, and, and, and with ensuring that there is equity for all kids. But, you know, after the Prince Edward County, after, after Prince Edward County basically closed its schools um, for years and, and only gave white parents a choice using private school choice, you know, our union... Um, sent supplies to kids. Our union had teachers from Philly and New York go down to mm. Prince um, Edwards and, and set up freedom schools. And frankly, our union expelled our segregated locals in the 50s and 60s and dropped significant membership because we said this is not our values. Right. And we have to have a value of pluralism and, and tolerance and integration in, in in American society. And so what what is interesting right now and what the private choice private school choice um, advocates do not want to recognize is that if the public dollar look, you want a private school, you want a religious school, that's your right. Yeah. But if the public dollar is being used, it can't be used to discriminate. And Absolutely. and that has is and that's why they are going at us guns a blazing because we have to have there can be lots of choices. Mm-hmm. 
charter schools have a role here, not yep. for profits, but charter schools right. have a role. But they have to be accountable, they have to be transparent, and they have to be democratically governed. And that is what happens in public education all throughout the country, mm -hmm. and that is what that has to be our, our North Star. How do we create equity for kids? How do we create opportunity for kids? And the only people who are responsible to do that are people who have said in a public system they will be responsible, they will be accountable, they will use the public dollar that way. Right. I want to jump to uh, Democratic Party. And, Tom, um, sure. I noticed yesterday you uh, uh, that there was a – all of us have said we can't just look at Congress, we can't just look at the Senate, we can't just look at the White House, we've got to look at governors, we've got to look at state legislative races – Big win yep. yesterday in New Hampshire. Yep, Kevin Kavanaugh, uh, state uh, Senate election. He's an IBEW member uh -huh. and Good union uh, member. won by 1,000 votes. It was supposed to be razor thin. 1,000 votes in that district is actually a pretty remarkable this margin. This is the 16th Senate district, right, in New Hampshire? Of New Hampshire. And yeah. uh, we were out there. And, and, and the new mission of the DNC is to not simply to elect the president every four years, but it is to elect Democrats up and down the ticket from the school board to the Senate, whether it's Kevin Kavanaugh in New Hampshire. Uh, a few weeks ago, two uh, folks ran for open seats Oklahoma, in right? Oklahoma yes, in districts yes. that Donald Trump won by uh, 20 points or something yeah. like that, and they both mm -hmm. won. And you know what their issues were? Education. Right. And that's what the Democratic Party has to do. We've got to lead with our values, and we've got to be out there in these local and state races. We announced yesterday an investment of a, a, an initial investment of $1.5 million in the Virginia races, not just helping mm -hmm. Ralph Northam, but building that infrastructure so that we can elect Justin Fairfax as the first African-American uh, lieutenant governor of uh, the state of Virginia so that we can elect um, re-elect Mark Herring and, and then work in the House of Delegates to help take that back. So that's what we're doing in Virginia. Uh, I, we're, we're obviously going to be in um, New Jersey as well. I think we can win both of those governor's races. And that those are 13-year races because those are going to be the heads of state during redistricting. Yeah. So and, any... and, and we saw that in New York where in a district on Long Island, Christine Pellegrino an one member, an right? AFT member teacher yeah. one mm. in a district by about 16 points that Trump had won by 20 points and we started our conference last week with Josh Hall teacher who won in Hartford <laughs> Christine teacher who won in New York to really show people that if you go and take the risk to run we'll back you but more importantly that your your constituents will back you this hey, so, well, this is this is so exciting because it's happening uh, all over the country now and uh, you hear that music that yeah means th that means we're almost done in the here and now is call your senators tell yes. them that yeah. they cannot support these efforts to repeal the Affordable Care Act this is far from right. over and your voices have been indispensable these and that's efforts the will take away health care please get a bipartisan bill, bill. tell your senators to vote no